Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 15 through 22, called The Bravery of the Midwives. Psalm 3411 says, come children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, those who fear the Lord will have peace and love life and see good days, not easy days, but it will make for a soft pillow. The Hebrew word for fear is the word regularly used for piety. It doesn't mean that you're shaking in your boots at God. It just means that you want to honor him. You want to be obedient to your father. You want to do the right thing. Corey Tim Boom comes to mind. Remember when they hid the Jews from Nazi Germany at great personal expense? There's a higher law. Solomon writes at the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, when all has been heard, this is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. Listen, because this applies to every person, key, for God will bring every act to judgment Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or whether it is evil, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Keep his commandments because every act that we have done, Jesus said, get this, every word that we've spoken frivolously, God will judge. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not sure that we really consider the holiness of God and the righteousness of God as we consider our decisions. So that they didn't do it, right? They refused. So the king of Egypt called the midwives. Now, I'm not sure the first was an in-person meeting, but this was probably now come into my office. And he said to them, why have you done this thing? Why have you let the boys live? Gee, golly, Pharaoh, really? Hebrew midwives who have a job of safely bringing children into the world, letting Hebrew baby boys live? Is it tough for you to figure this one out? Now, how much time went by, we don't know, but some people believe years. Because when children are born and you hold a child, let's say, in a blanket, it's a little tough to know whether it's a baby boy or a baby girl. It's going to take a while, right? And it may be this. Maybe the Hebrew kids were at school one day, and maybe one of Pharaoh's officials started counting boys and girls, you know? Maybe a year, two years has gone by, whatever. One, two, three, four, five. Hey, there's the same amount of boys as there is girls. Hey, Pharaoh! I don't know if the Hebrew midwives have been keeping your program. Hey, get them in here right now. Come into my office. Now, if it had been a couple of years, do you think that the midwives were a little bit prepared on their answer? I'm sure they had gotten together a few times, had some prayer meetings. Oh, Lord, what should we say? Oh, Lord, help us. Oh, Lord, how much does your prayer life improve when things are a little bit touch and go? Anybody? Yeah, we get a little bit fervent with prayer, don't we? Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, open up the gates of heaven. Lord, I need to hear from you. Oh, we seek him. And when you seek God, he will be found. I'm sure that they sought the Lord. I'm sure that they talked about strategy. And they come in. I'm sure they took a couple of big gulps. Can you imagine your Hebrew midwife coming in to meet with the Pharaoh of Egypt? And he's going to confront you. Maybe the executioners were standing right there. You defy the Pharaoh, I would imagine you die. This is not just, oh, you know, he might fire us if we, no. No, this is, you might die. That's bravery, don't you think? 
And the Hebrew midwives said this to the Pharaoh. Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, I think you've got to see some humor here. They are vigorous. <laughs> that word in Hebrew means they're full of vital energy. The Egyptians, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Take it for what it's worth. And if you're Egyptian, I'm sorry. And they give birth before the midwife can get there or get to them. <laughs> now, there's been scores written on this by some big names. For example, Augustine, Gregory, and Calvin condemn this as a lie. And they say that the Hebrew midwives lied to the Pharaoh and they broke a commandment. But I got good news for you. The commandments weren't written yet. They come in Exodus chapter 20. Can I get a witness? All God's people, yeah, it wasn't written yet. Yeah. Sorry. 19 chapters later. You're off the hook. Didn't know about it. I like to stay ignorant, therefore I'm not responsible for my behavior. Come on. <laughs> I don't know how to use that tool. I just don't know. Can you help me? <laughs> Sorry. That's personal confession. Anyway. Now, do you imagine that maybe like a memo went out to the Hebrew women, something like this. Hey, don't call for us early. Call for us after the child is born. Because this, you think that there was some talk, some communication, some planning, some strategy. We're going to need some of that. Amen? And I think they did it. I think that's implied. And they said, when we get there, and, and this is what some people believe, that if this had happened, uh, if the word had gone out, then they weren't technically lying. They were telling the truth. When we get there, the baby's born. Sorry. And some people say that what they used is hyperbole. You all know what hyperbole is? Hyperbole is extreme language. Maybe they were just being, maybe they hyperbolized the Pharaoh. Yeah. You can read volumes on it. In the end, let me just say to you, if they did lie, I'd say that's okay. You know why? Because there's such a thing as a higher law. And if... If you were in Nazi Germany and you got a knock at the door and someone said, do you have any Jews in here? You don't say, yeah, there are, there's seven of them in the closet. They're right over there. I can't, I can't lie, I'm sorry. No, you say, no. <laughs> An interesting parallel to the response of the Hebrew midwives, writes Riken, comes from the village of Les Chambon, where 5,000 French Reformed Protestants rescued some 5,000 Jews from Nazi horrors. It's said that during World War II, Le Chambon was the safest place for a Jew in all Europe. The brave Chambonian Christians who risked their lives faced many difficult ethical dilemmas. On one occasion, the chief of the police interrogated the ringleader of the resistance, Pastor André Trocmé. Pastor, he said, we know in detail the suspect activities in which you are devoted. You are hiding in this commune a certain number of Jews whose names I know. You are therefore going to give me a list of these persons and their addresses. Trachme replied that he did not know the names of any of these people. Strictly speaking, this was true because the Jews had all given false identity cards. Although this seemed like the only way to save lives, Trachme and other, others lamented what seemed to be a loss of their usual candor. 
On another occasion, a Nazi lieutenant demanded to know where the Jewish refugees were hiding. Jews, the Shambonians replied, as if astonished. What would Jews be doing here? You there, have you seen any Jews? They say they have crooked noses. To be sure, such a reply required an element of deception. Yet it was more like a jest. Oh, those people have crooked noses? No, we haven't seen any of them. These are tough things, and I know that we could come to conclusions about, you know, what, if, what should have been done here, but the midwives did the right thing, and you're going to see why in a moment, because God is going to bless them. The midwives at least hyperbolized or strategized because they decided to love their neighbor as themselves. They did not do service for a lie. They did service, as one writer, for life and love. And remember, they may have saved Moses by their very actions. One more time from Riken, he says, there's no record of a reckoning on the midwives from Pharaoh. He doesn't kill them or anything. Quote, whatever ethical conclusion we reach about their act of creative disobedience, what the midwives says seemed to satisfy the Pharaoh, who seems on this occasion at least to have been a few bricks short of a pyramid, close quote. <laughs> oh, okay, you can't get there in time, well, all right, have a good day. Say what? No record of a chastisement, no record of go out to the mud pits, no record of a beating, nothing. Oh, you can't get there? Oh, they're more vigorous than Egyptian ladies? All right. (laughs) I don't know if the Pharaoh was a little low on the IQ, but some see some irony here, some humor. Do you remember when the the, uh, Magi come and they ask about the king of the Jews being born in Matthew chapter 2? And when they ask uh, about his birth, they read from Micah 5, the scribes do, and Herod sends them over to Bethlehem, and he says, when you find the child, make a careful search and bring a report back to me. I want to worship him too. But they were warned, and this is interesting because it says, uh, it says that there was a warning, and Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi and became very enraged. Listen to this. And he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and its environs. The Magi tricked Herod because they knew he was a liar. And they went a different way. And Egypt is involved here. And a king who is really a liar and wants to kill children and obviously wants to destroy the Messiah. And so here's how we can find out whether God approved. Final two verses. When God... Uh, so God 20 was good to the midwives and the people multiplied two separate categories there and became very mighty. And it became about, it came about because the midwives feared God that he established or provided New King James households for them. Those who honor me, I will honor 1 Samuel 2.30 and God bless them. They didn't do what they did for the blessing, but he gave them families of their own. A fitting reward for people who preserved other people's children they were given children as well. And there are scholars who believe there's a miraculous element to this, that midwives typically dedicated their lives to other people's families. And if they were older, they were probably past childbearing years. And some scholars see a touch of the miraculous here, that they were enabled by God to have children later in life and had families and households of their own. God blessed them. He said, you're going to preserve my my people I'm going to bless you, and they got the blessing, and God will bless your obedience, brethren. Ironically, most Egyptologists believe that the name Pharaoh means something like great house. 
And they, the midwives got their houses blessed and Pharaoh was like, rats and double rats, what do I do now? But he had a plan. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Ironically, most Egyptologists believe that the name Pharaoh means something like great house. And they, the midwives got their houses blessed, and Pharaoh was like, rats and devil rats, what do I do now? But he had a plan. The Pharaoh 22 commanded all his people, could be his advisors, I don't know if it's the whole population, but at least another layer, perhaps all of the people working under him saying, every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, every daughter you are to keep alive. The midwives aren't going to do this job, so my team's going to have to do it. How it would be done, I don't know. There's not a lot of detail here, but he ramps it up further and asks now his team of advisors to do his dirty work. And get this, he asked them to throw Hebrew baby boys into the Nile River. When you do a little study on ancient Egypt, most of the population lived by the Nile because it was the main water source for that uh, nation. It was also a sewer system. They would throw sewage into the Nile because of the strong currents. It would, it would take the sewage away. And one writer I was reading this week essentially says that what Pharaoh asked his team to do was identify a baby boy, take it, and throw it into the Nile River so that it would submerge under the waters and hopefully, from the Egyptian point of view, be quickly forgotten. And here's part of the justification. It was done for religious purposes because the Nile was seen as one of the main gods of Egypt. And if you throw babies in the Nile, here's how you can sleep better at night. If the Nile receives the baby as an offering and accepts it and it goes under the water, well, then you have to know that it was the will of the Nile God. You're just practicing Nile choice. That's all it is. You could laugh a little bit, although it's sad, isn't it? So you could, you could feel good about it. I know it's hard and you have this this drive within you to protect life as a human being, but throw the baby into the Nile and see if the Nile accepts the baby. In essence, turn the Nile red with their blood. Brutal, unthinkable, but done today, just in different ways. Do you know that what we're about to see is that the Egyptian army is going to try to follow Israel into the Red Sea and they're going to be drowned 
And God is going to do to that nation what they tried to do to his people and apparently did to some extent. I don't know how many died, but he's going to drown the whole Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And the Pharaoh wanted to turn the Nile red with the blood of the Egyptian boys. And the first plague of God against Egypt is to turn the Nile red with blood. And God says, what you want to do to my people? Guess what? I'm going to do it to you. And some people believe that when the Nile turns red, God is essentially saying, your God is dead. (laughs) Wow. Well, let me just give you a moment to exhale and a moment of grace. Do you know that when the people of Israel left Egypt, there were people from other nations that joined them behind the blood of the Passover lamb, behind the blood on the door, if you will. Some Egyptians hid behind the blood. Do you suppose, and this is just a thought that hit me in the closing moments of worship, do you suppose that some of those Egyptians had been responsible for some egregious acts against God and saw the plagues and decided to repent and get behind the blood? This is a moment of grace, and here's what I want to say. As hard as this message is, and as much as we can see the parallels to our day, I'm so glad that the blood of the Passover lamb was spilled and that I can hide behind his finished work. Amen? Because I have done things that I'm ashamed of. And if the Lord kept a record of my sins, I could not stand before you, nor would I stand before him on that day. I would have to say, I am worthy of all judgment that you would throw my way, O Lord. But thank you that Jesus' blood was shed for me. Thank you that he died, the Passover lamb, that I might live. Thank you that behind that door, if you will, you pass over because you don't judge the ones who are behind the blood or under the blood of your son. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gospel. Because this is, this is hard to take. And I think it's hard to take because it's just so applicable to our day. God, forgive us. I, I find myself thinking just at the end of worship, oh God, forgive us. Cleanse us from our sin. Lord, you are holy. I heard a, a speaker say today that someone asked a question about, well, why did Jesus die on the cross? And he said that God extends mercy through judgment. That is, he judged his son instead of us. Mercy comes through the judgment that fell on Christ. That's the gospel. And if you've not met him, would you keep your head and heart bowed right now? If you, if you haven't realized that the judgment came upon the Lamb of God so that you wouldn't be judged, because we can put ourselves here in many different ways where we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and sometimes we just didn't know any better, but yet we all have the skeletons, the things that we're ashamed of. Lord, thank you that we're behind the blood, under the blood of Jesus. Would you cry out to him? If you've not met him before, if you haven't received his finished work in your life, Jesus, save me. Just make it very simple. Save me, Lord. Forgive me. 
cleanse me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you defeated death by rising from the dead. I repent and trust you. If you're looking at our nation right now and you're wondering how to pray, I think this is a good way to pray. Just, Lord, forgive us. Have mercy on us, Lord. You are so good. You delight in loving kindness. Would you pour it out upon the church and upon this nation? Would you forgive us? And, Lord, that's not devoid of asking for change because we need change. And perhaps lastly this morning, a prayer for courage. The word encourage means to put courage in. Many are discouraged, but I pray your people will be encouraged. I pray that we could maybe look back and reflect on two Hebrew midwives who said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Counted the cost. God help us because we are weak. Sometimes the, the first thing we do is to want to protect ourselves, and that's understandable. But Lord, help us to do the right thing for the right reason, mostly because we know you loved us first and you are worthy. And this world is broken and it is ultimately temporal, but we want to have peace and love and good things in our life. And thank you for all the blessings that you've showered upon us as a people. Man, we have so many good things. Help us to preserve and do what we can as Mary did when she anointed Jesus' feet. He said, she, she's done a beautiful thing for me. Leave her alone. She did what she could. That's all we're asked, Lord. To break open the perfume bottle, honor you and do what we can. Let our lives be shifra and pua. Let them be beautiful and splendid. Let heaven's determination be, that's beautiful. That's splendid. You've been listening to The Bravery of the Midwives, Part 3, on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 15-22. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to say thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. You've raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in car or at home is still free for listeners. In fact, most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We're looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we'd love to become fully funded by listeners, and this will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and then click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com 
and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line with the midwives is that God honored the midwives for what they did. They went with the higher law. They honored God rather than men. They knew that what Pharaoh was asking them to do was wrong, and they they honored God. And it was uh, probably a very tough decision. We don't have a lot of detail on what they went through emotionally, etc. But they did the right thing, and God honored them for it. And that's what I've noticed in life. God says in 1 Samuel 2, I will honor those who honor me. And I think that's a great takeaway from the bravery of the midwives. You know, bravery isn't easy. Courage is tested when things are difficult. But you know what? God will make us more than conquerors through his power and his grace in our lives. Well, as we move away from the uh, bravery of the midwives, we're going to move into the birth of Moses. A deliverer is born. And we're going to look at that tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. Just a couple of final things for all of our partners. Thank you for partnering with us financially and prayerfully, hopefully both. Remember, you can always become a partner when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the, the Give tab there, Donate tab. We so appreciate you. We so appreciate the fact that you believe in what we're doing. We appreciate messages that you would send to us through the website. Again, it's walkintruth.com. And we'll be right here, Lord willing, tomorrow to bring The Deliverer is Born. See you then. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, 1 through 10, called The Deliverer is Born. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.